I'm Shauna Van Bogart, and this is Just Being Seen. When I was pregnant and in my second trimester, I had a dream that my daughter was going to be breech. And so it was no surprise that when we were well into the third trimester and we had one of those last appointments, we discovered that she was in fact breech. Now, if you've been in this scenario yourself, you know that they offer you many suggestions to move forward and to try to get her to turn. And because we had gone down the path of having our birth at the birth center versus the hospital, the midwives were of course encouraging me to do whatever you could do to get her to turn so that you could still stay on the path of having the natural birth. One of the suggestions that they offered was a procedure where the doctor would manually turn her like in your belly. And so they gave me a referral to this doctor. And while I wasn't hesitant about that specific procedure, I just had this knowing that this is probably not something I'm gonna wanna do. Now, upon doing all of my research and upon talking to their referral, I discovered that this is a very common procedure, but they do do it under the pretense that should you need to go into an emergency C-section, you're prepared in the room to be able to do that. So it's not a small deal, but it's also not a big deal. Beyond this, I was trying all of the natural things to get her to turn. I was laying upside down on ironing boards and I was burning ancient herbs against my pinky toe from the acupuncturist. I was trying to freeze her out by putting cold things on my belly to get her to turn. I was trying to move her towards heat by putting heating pads in certain places. I mean, I tried it all. And if I'm being totally honest, there was underneath all of these actions, just this like attitude of like, none of this is gonna work. She's not gonna turn. So when it came time to go back to the appointment at the birth center and talk to the midwives, it was decision time. They were gonna need to know if I was going to do this manual procedure with the doctor to turn her or not. And I walked in there and I said, I'm not gonna do that. And while they completely understood you have to trust mom's intuition. I could see the look of disappointment on their face that I wasn't even willing to try that procedure. And I don't know why I could not give them valid reasons. It was not because I was afraid. I just didn't feel like it was gonna work. And I I felt this conviction about speaking up about that. And I felt the conviction enough to feel pretty resolved in my decision about that. But it didn't feel good to trust myself. It did not feel good in that moment to own my preferences. I so badly did not want to be the one making that decision. I mean, of course it felt like a huge weight and what if I was wrong and who am I? Like these people know better, they're authorities in the medical field. Like who am I to be making this decision and making a decision that's against what everyone else is telling me? I walked out of that appointment in tears. I was really upset about it. Not because she made me feel bad, but because it's really hard to trust yourself when it feels like everyone around you is wishing you would choose something differently or gone a different route. I remember it distinctly feeling like this initiation into motherhood of sorts. I thought, I'm gonna be needing to advocate for myself and this child for the next 18 years and potentially beyond. And so This is pretty small potatoes for what might be to come. So who do you wanna be and who do you need to be in this moment? I'll say it again, but it is not always easy 
to trust ourselves. I think sometimes on our healing journeys and on our growth journeys, we sort of romanticize the process, you know, of how operating from your intuition and this confident, self-convicted knowing is going to feel when a lot of times it feels like shit. I'm just going to be honest. It's not easy to stick to our convictions when it feels like you're the only one who feels it the way that you do or sees something the way other people are not seeing it. This is in a lot of ways how it can feel when it comes to stepping up and out to be not only sharing your gifts with the world, but to be seen sharing those gifts. We are so hardwired to value logic and the practicality that when it comes time to step wholly into your gifts, especially if those gifts are things like intuition or healing or energy work or even certain extrasensory abilities that you have, however you want to label them and however you want to use them, you're going to probably feel some resistance despite a part of you that knows there's power within them. I would argue that a little resistance is good, especially if you are in any sort of healing or self-growth or coaching profession. Basically, if you're any kind of professional aimed at helping people that's in an industry that has no barriers to entry. I think a little bit of resistance can keep us on our toes in a good way. I now know to appreciate a little resistance because if there is resistance at play, that gives me another opportunity to deepen into my knowing. And because I'm someone who wants to make really solid decisions that are in integrity with who I am in that moment and my intentions, a little resistance can be really helpful to you. It allows you to adjust yourself into the proper headspace so that you can decide, do I need to lean on the practicality and the logic or do I need to lean into this intuitive move I'm feeling like I need to make. I would much rather face the resistance and then know more deeply what move I want to make than to make a move swiftly, but to doubt it after the fact. I mean, there was a reason that we chose a birth center over a hospital as part of my birthing plan. We had gone to an information session that was offered by the birth center to understand the differences between that and a hospital birth. And so, of course, my husband going into it was really skeptical Now I'm putting words to it myself here, but I think he thought it was some like out there, potentially unsafe route. Sometimes I laugh when I try to get in his head because I really think when I presented the idea of going the birth center route, that he was like imagining women in the woods wearing long white gowns, dancing around me as I lay on this pile of carefully arranged leaves. Like I'm asking for the universal divine to summon our baby from my golden uterus. And no, the birth center is nothing like that, as he discovered. I digress. But we chose the birth center. This was our plan. And when our plans changed on the one yard line to a planned cesarean, we were okay with that too. But that plan changing predicated on this one decision that was solely up to me to make. And that was, do I even try to get the doctor to turn her so that we can stick to our original plan? Or do I trust my knowing without needing to justify it? I just feel like she's not going to turn and just go ahead and plan the hospital birth. For us, it just was what it was. Was there a little bit of mourning that I wasn't going to be able to experience certain things? Of course, of course. But guess what? We had an absolutely amazing experience at the hospital. It was so amazing that when we were in it, I was genuinely so glad for that experience because it felt right to be there too. 
Sometimes it can feel like we have to pick a bucket. At least that's how I felt most of my life. I have to commit to this one way or the other. I talked a lot about this even in season one. Like I have to be logical, practical, and smart and intellectual, or I have to be intuitive and into my spirituality, and it has to look a certain way. And that kept me very rigid for so long, this black and white thinking. And we see it everywhere, right? Conventional or alternative, science or faith, Republican or Democrat. This idea that it's black and white and we must pick one, and the serious repercussions of that kind of thinking that have been playing out on a global level for years, feeling particularly potent as of late, should lead us to firmly know that there's plenty of shades of gray and there's room for you to exist in many boxes. I think when we feel forced to pick one box or the other, it does diminish our intuition. Take my example. I'm going down the natural birth path. I'm headed into the birth center. I want to do it this way. If I was so fixated on my bucket, I wouldn't have been able to stand in my convictions and be flexible to move into the scenario that was unfolding in front of us. And you know what would have happened if I would have been in a place of rigidity? No, it has to be done this way, and this is my view, and I want to go all in on this bucket. I would have caused myself and potentially my baby, a lot of pain. Because guess what? I was right. She wasn't going to move. When my daughter was delivered and we held her for the first time, I asked the doctor, could you see why she was breech? And he said, yep, she was doing the splits. She had one foot up and one foot stuck in your pelvis. And if I would have tried to move her, it wouldn't have worked in this unique scenario. So I was right. I wouldn't have been able to have as smooth of an experience. I would have tried the procedure. It would have been painful, potentially. She wouldn't have moved or she would have snapped right back. That could have been traumatizing for her. It could have been very discouraging for me. I saved myself so much grief by sticking to my convictions. Despite it being nonsensical, despite what the authorities were saying in this situation, and despite knowing that this decision was going to prompt us to pivot our birth plan in an entirely different direction and in a direction that was not our original intent. We've talked a lot about balance in these episodes and the importance of continuing to find the work in honoring both sides so that you can find a grounded sense of center because that's where your authority is found. Part of understanding is realizing that no matter what, There will always be people who disagree on either side of any issue. There will always be people in the fringe extremes. When we allow ourselves to be open to multiple buckets and we don't put the self-imposed pressure to put ourselves in one or the other, that's where we can find our self-agency. I think the biggest challenge when it comes to being a person who can exist between multiple worlds is that you're constantly feeling tugged and pulled to pick your box to choose your label. And that tendency is really, really strong. And also when you find yourself inadvertently living in black and white thinking and feeling pressure to create very distinct labels, it oftentimes comes with a complementary inner challenge, which is that you feel pressured constantly to be bringing factual-based evidence of why your work works. When there's a lot of times at the core of it, I don't know how it works. I just know it does. 
and my clients know it too. I don't know why I'm not choosing the procedure to try and move my daughter into the correct position in my belly. I just know that's not going to work. I can't tell you why. I can tell you how I knew that. Obviously, this is at the heart of why a lot of us retract away from our certain intuitive or extrasensory gifts because we can't explain them. And because we are people who also value logic and practicality and science and facts, it can be hard to put yourself out there in those most powerful gifts, which are likely the ones that you are hiding from yourself and from the world, because you're going to feel the pressure to justify yourself and how those gifts work, especially if you're holding on to voices of your past or your current life, as we've already talked about, that are strong adversarial and opinionated voices. And on top of that, if you know you're a sensitive person, then yes, you're going to be sensitive to the opinions and the energy of others. And you're going to be stuck in the dynamic that I mentioned in the previous episode where you're too focused on convincing, causing an overcorrection on how you show up. That just won't be as effective when you're coming from a deeper, more balanced grounding of your purpose and intention and when you allow yourself to exist in multiple spaces. You know, I've hired many people in my lifetime, very factual, intellectual-based people and mentors, and very intuitive healers that are grounded in extrasensory perceptions. Both of them have provided tremendous value to my life. And ironically, when I step back and out of my own head, when I'm deep in this dynamic of feeling the pressure to justify myself, I think about how I've never really asked either of those people to justify the information they're giving me. I went into those containers trusting them and simply believing them when they told me they had something of value that could help me. I like to ground into this example when I'm feeling that tendency to feel like I need to justify the intuitive side to me and any of those gifts with facts or science or that hard-pressed logic and practicality. Scientists still do not know exactly how Tylenol works. Yet, no one is causing a fuss about that and asking Tylenol, a multi-billion dollar industry, to justify why Tylenol works. Now, there's many theories as to how it works to help with pain, but scientists still don't know the exact reason. And so it is for all the other stuff that a lot of you are hiding in the closet about, your intuitive gifts, your perceptionary skills, your ability to know things or to see things that other people can't? What if you could release the pressure of having to figure out how or needing to know how those things work? And what if you could just step into them? I believe that as coaches, healers, and service providers in the field of helping people, in a field where we lean heavily on our intuition, that we do have two responsibilities. The first is to continue to discover the highest and most pure intention of our work which is related to keeping yourself in an education flow of some format, right? Putting yourself through continuing education, continuing to research, continuing to hire others who can mentor you. And the second responsibility is to also embrace a little bit of I don't know and to give yourself the permission to know that it's okay that you don't know how your work works. It just works. 
The good news is that effective inner work typically should lead you to an inner state of harmony and balance, just on deeper and more expansive levels. It should also lead you to deeper levels of trust within yourself where you continue to make it more and more okay to exist in multiple boxes without justification and without always needing to know the how. So here is your permission slip to just get out there and speak, to be seen, do what you love, do work that you know works, and to step into your gifts that you know you're meant to bring to the world. I don't have to be one or the other. I can just be both because we are all one. So let's bring it together as one. This is Dr. Gail Van Kanigan. She is an energy healer that I have worked with personally for 15 years. And she's also worked with a lot of my High Minds members and some of my clients. One of the many labels and credentials that she has in her arena of work is as an advanced Eden energy medicine practitioner. What she's speaking to in terms of bringing it together is how she's managed to straddle two opposing worlds in her own career. Because she's not just an energy healer. Gail has 50 years, 5-0, 50 years of experience in traditional medicine, achieving her doctor's degree in nursing practice from Augsburg University, going on to join the faculty at Augsburg and teaching on and off with the doctor of nurse practitioning students. The focus of her teaching there is on the integrative aspects of healthcare in addition to the traditional medical care that's needed as a nurse practitioner. This is actually one of the few schools in the nation that has integrated wholeness, wellness, and energetic healing into their nurse practitioning program. Gail has a long list of credentials, but the reason I felt it was important to bring her into this episode as we go to deeper conversations of showing up and being seen, is that she is an example of someone who chooses daily to bravely step into her gifts, despite spending her entire career in a seemingly contrasting industry. Medicine has benefits. It saves lives. It truly does. And and it saved my life numbers of times in my lifetime. Energy work saves lives. It saved my life many times too. So why not pull the both of best together and integrate it? Because as nurses, as members of society, not just a nurse, we're holistic beings. And coming from that holistic point of view lets you see the goodness in everything. And so I just started easing the energy work into the medicine and educating my peers in a way that they could understand, which means I had to speak their words and talk their talk and not the language of energy, but the language of medicine. So I pulled all the research forward and I started giving lectures on the research that's already there on all the different modalities that have been studied. And, and that's what I actually did my doctorate work in. So I could validate what we do as energetic spiritual healers. The reason I know Gail is because she worked alongside my mom, who was also a nurse practitioner at the Mayo Clinic. In fact, it was my mom who introduced Gail to me when I was in my early 20s, and I was in a really dark place emotionally over a relationship that had just ended. And so she thought Gail might be able to help with that. When I asked Gail about how she became interested in energy work, 
I found it fascinating that she was also introduced to it during a challenging time in her relationship. It came subtly through my own healing. I was struggling with relationship issues in my marriage at the time. And I uh, was on a little retreat and I went for a massage. And as I was getting the massage, the, the therapist said to me, could I do a little Reiki on you? And I'm like, uh, sure. I don't know what it is, but go for it. And she did. And I started releasing all of this stuff that I didn't even know what was inside of me. And I had this huge release on her table. And so I had her talk with me about what was going on. And so she told me what Reiki healing was and how it worked. And I was very young at the time and I really didn't know much of anything. I was probably barely 30, very young. And so I thought, well, there's something to this. If I'm now feeling better after getting rid of all of that stuff without sitting down and talking to a counselor, so to speak, and thinking I'm crazy for all of the things that I'm going through. And it just left me because she intended for that to happen as she placed hands on me. I'm going to just start opening up to finding out about this. So I started reading more and more about different modalities of healing and Reiki was one of them and energy medicine was another and and going further into other modalities. And, and that was my very humble beginnings. How many of you have stumbled upon new interests that may seem out there or strange or have been judged by people whose opinion you care about? And you haven't been giving yourself permission to explore it because of how it might look to other people. I think about what if Gail had never followed those nudges to explore this deeper and how easily opportunities for us are missed because we're too close-minded to step into them. It was a slippery slope for a while. I couldn't just come right out and say what I was knowing and doing and learning about because it was not accepted in in my world of medicine and working as a nurse practitioner or even as a nurse before the nurse practitioner. But I started with the nurses and they loved it. And they encouraged me to not let the square box stop me from taking it forward. So I started getting a little bit braver and I thought, how am I going to integrate energetic healing, spiritual healing with medical healing of the physical body. And I struggled for a long time and I wondered, am I doing one thing right, one thing wrong? And there was this big conflict for me for a good year while I was really deep into training. And I have to give credit to the department I worked with, the Department of Internal Medicine, the Hospitalist Medicine Department. They embrace change. And when I presented things to them through the lens of the research and what it could do and how it worked with the physiology of the body, with the electromagnetics of the body, they understood and they embraced it. And they said, we support you. She goes on to say how she went into other areas within administration to talk about the work where there were other people with backgrounds in energy healing and continued to present to them the concepts of energy. Some embraced it, some didn't, but she continued to pursue avenues to bring awareness to this work. And it's obviously not just her. There's a global call for an integration of alternative and holistic practices 
alongside conventional medicine and treatments. And I've seen the change take place throughout my career from absolutely nothing to now. It's being embraced at all levels, all across nation. And of course, the world is doing it. They have a whole tract on functional medicine now, which integrates holistic ways of healing. Acupuncture is being greatly embraced throughout the nation in most areas. I don't personally know of any place that's not even accepting acupuncture. Massage is a form of energy healing. They're recommending that. Um, So it's working its way in and weaving very well within the halls of traditional medicine. But it's not everyone. We have a lot of work to do yet to become visible, to not be afraid to step forward and share the gifts that we've learned about helping people heal holistically, meaning mind, body, spirit, and energy. I think you're always going to have people who think that the things Gail does and any other people who are in this realm of alternative medicine, that they're doing witchcraft or voodoo or whatever. I mean, of course she gets pushback. She's had to teach herself how to communicate and how to demonstrate her knowledge to thousands of colleagues about how energy moves through the body. And so she knows her work is going to come with a side of criticism and she does her best to figure out ways to best communicate it. I had one of the biggest doubters on my service, a very dear physician, very dear friend, but he always called me the little voodoo woman, you know, goes, come on over here. Do you got any voodoo you can do here? You know, and I'm like, yeah, I do. So let me show you. And the the one instance I'll share, which was so profound is a patient had gone into a very rapid heartbeat and it was about 180 a minute. And that's not life sustaining for very long. And as the heart rate goes up, the blood pressure drops because it can't sustain the physiology and the blood flow through the body. And he was very rapidly getting to the point to where we were going to have to push the button and call for the code. And I said, hold on, get the medicine that we need to settle this heartbeat down. But in the meantime, until the medicine comes, I'm going to work with this patient. And so what I did was I grabbed the end of his heart meridian on both hand, which is the baby finger. And I told him, I said, this is going to hurt. I'm going to squeeze your baby finger really, really hard. And I want you just to hang with me. And so he gave me permission and I crunched down on those baby fingers so hard. And his heart rate went from 180 to 160 to 130, down to 120, down to 100. And inversely, his blood pressure went from 60 to 80 to 100. And so here I now took a man who was declining rapidly before our eyes and stabilized him instantly while he's on a cardiac monitor with blood pressure and heart rate right there we could watch it and so my colleague says i don't believe that just happened i said okay watch and i let go of the fingers boom heart rate back up to the 180s blood pressure started to drop and i said i think i'll hold these for a while longer and so i grabbed those baby fingers again just like i had and the heart rate came down and the blood pressure came up and he stabilized and i blew everybody away 
from that moment on, I had a believer out of a non-believer because this man is a genius and knows every bit of research in the world about healing the body and medicine, but he never saw anything so profound as an energetic healing like that. So I held on to those baby fingers until we got the appropriate medicine to control that heart rate, that abnormality that was there. And we fixed the guy together. Energy medicine and medicine came together and saved the man's life. So I really struggled with this episode. This was the episode that I had the most challenges with in terms of sitting down and pulling it together. As I said, I've worked with Gail for 15 years. I have clients that work with her. I have family that's worked with her. She would not be here if I did not believe in the power of the work and if I didn't have the buy-in to her worldview of it, which is about blending the two worlds together and striking that balance. But because I'm talking about being seen while simultaneously allowing myself to be seen in the production of this podcast, don't think that I'm not being triggered throughout the entire production of this by the very stuff that I've been talking to you about. Every time I came to work on this episode, I faced all of the dynamics I talked about on the front end. That tendency, that tug and pull to pick your box because of the fear of what people are going to think. It's strong, man. I mean, I have a lot of buy-in, obviously, or I wouldn't be out here. I wouldn't push through that despite all of those tendencies to be here if I didn't believe in it. But of course I have thoughts going, what are people going to think if you start talking about energy healing and intuition and extrasensory perceptions? Like, are they going to think you don't believe in science or facts or research? Are they going to think you're crazy? What about your credibility? Is this going to be hurt by you talking about this stuff? So I just want to say that my hand is raised as well. Again, I produce this podcast just as much for you as I did for myself because I wanted to explore these dynamics that cause us to hold ourselves back. I mentioned this to Gail when we were chatting, and I brought up John of God. John of God is someone who's known to his followers for performing psychic surgeries, channeling spirits to treat the blind and other diseases. He was even featured on Oprah. She has since denounced him because he's in prison now for the rest of his life after hundreds of women from around the world have accused him of sexual abuse. I brought him up because that protector part of me that gets triggered wants to exit out of entire conversations whenever I see someone acting in bad faith. And so I brought him up as an example to Gail and I asked her to speak to this a little bit. Got to look around to see and and read and research and know that things are valid and not just hearsay. Research is important and we need to validate what is right and We need to validate what doesn't work, too. And how do you not get caught up in someone's, like John of God, okay? So, you know, that man coerced a lot of people. And it was a cult. And so if those kind of individuals really have a persuasive way of reaching into the ego to twist it around to make it seem like it's something really positive that we need. But it never reaches the heart because cults don't go to the heart. They stay in in the mind because it's about power and control. And so 
if it sounds too good to be true, you got to take a step back and say, maybe it is too good to be true. And am I really listening with my heart or am I just hearing something I want to hear because I feel like I need a change here. I don't know what to do and I'm lost. I'm a lost soul. And that's what cults pull towards are those individuals who are lost and they don't have that anchor to the earth and to your divine source. There's a gap there. And those individuals look for for that imbalance to take advantage of. I always ask, is this resonating with my ego or my heart? And my ego will, bam, it'll go right off in a second. And then I know, uh, stay away. Just stay away. Now, it's not like we don't see bad players in every industry. You've got to remember that. It does sometimes make it hard on those who are in it for the right reasons to show up and allow themselves to be seen. But that's all the more reason that we need a voice like yours in the ring. As I said, I was in a really bad habit of simply exiting the metaphorical conversation when I saw things I didn't want to be associated with versus standing my ground to be a voice of impact and service. And after a while, I had to realize that that's not serving anyone to hide in that way and to exit from conversations and spaces. And for you listening, if you're feeling resistance to showing up, to being seen, to using your voice for what you believe in, it's so important to do the inner work to understand what it is you're waiting for. Validation, permission, and from seemingly who? Is it those who you believe disagree with you? And does that stem from a voice from your past? And what are you thinking that having that kind of validation will give you? These are important questions to ask because really the bigger question that sums all of this up is what is blinding you from seeing your enoughness? Because it's not that you're actually not enough. It's that you can't see it. And so your responsibility is getting at the heart of what's making you feel the opposite of your truth. Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to operate from your heart with your best intentions, despite what your mind wants to tell you. Not to say you'll have bad intentions. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying the motivation is not going to lead you to your heart's desires and that authentic joy and satisfaction in life that you're after. It will lead you to satisfy ego desires, which will eventually make you feel like you're getting nowhere and Eventually, you'll burn out. And in extreme examples, you may find yourself in unhealthy or toxic situations. It's the individual who is not seen has a gap here between soul star and earth star. Okay, my energies are not in alignment. So there's a gap and there's something missing. And it usually involves some kind of trauma in our life, some kind of experience that made us feel bad and lose our self-worth and our self-concept and feel less than we truly are. And when we feel less than, we become less than. We become what we think we are. And so if I'm less than and then someone else comes along and tells me I'm so good, I'm going to go with it because that makes me feel good. That heals my heart or I think it heals my heart. It just makes me feel better because my ego is satisfied then. That's how that all happens. There's a lot of codependency that gets wrapped up into these individuals who swoon you away 
and we become codependent on them because they're always feeding this ego to make us feel like we're, we're doing well. Then comes in, oh, so why don't you do this? Now that I've got your attention, how about you do this? How about you do that? You know, and then the manipulation begins even more. And then you get violated at all levels of your individual self, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. They, it just gets taken away because of that codependence for that need to be. But what isn't recognized is that every individual already has everything they need to be right here. It's always there. And we may not always recognize it, but it's always there. So if we can stop and take a breath and say, is this resonating with my heart or not? It keeps you on your path and your journey of that higher vibration, that higher energetic, that higher spiritual vibration to produce health in, in all areas of our life. To relate this back to business specifically, think about how easy it is to lean too heavily on experts out there when it comes to making the moves necessary to grow your business. Because at the end of the day, this is your business, your purpose. We should openly embrace support and actively seek it. I invest in myself constantly. It's been the number one constant since the beginning of my career, and it's paid off. But it's paid off because it's allowed me to see myself more clearly, directly and indirectly. I know what it's like to rely too heavily on an outside authority. Because when I was deep into my not enoughness, I was looking for, air quotes, the savior, right? The business person, the marketing expert to tell me what to do. And while there was never any ill intent on behalf of a mentor or a coach that I hired, the solutions that sometimes were offered to me and suggested to me were not the right ones for me in the phase of my life and career that I was in. And that wasn't always the responsibility of the person that I hired. Now, if it's a coach, I would argue it is to discern that. But when it's someone that you're hiring for a very specific business tactic, it's not their responsibility to necessarily know where you're at. It's their responsibility to give you the tools that they were saying they were selling to you. When you do the work we're speaking of in all of these episodes, you'll naturally build a sense of discernment to know what's for you and what's not. You'll be able to sense if a Facebook ad strategy is the right move to make, what platform to build your following on, who exactly to hire that will get you the best results. Because you'll know that it is your responsibility to discern what spaces, what containers, what voices do you wanna take in. Discernment is a superpower and every experience in your life is designed to help hone it, especially the experiences in your life that challenge your beliefs. And as I've said before, trusting yourself and deciding you're going to step into your gifts, whatever those may be, yeah, they might come with some discomfort, like losing people or having those that you love criticize you. If you can anticipate this, not that you're putting it out to the world and you're overly worrying about it, but just knowing that this is a possibility that might play out, you're not in denial of that then I personally believe it's just a little bit easier to remain in your knowing and in your truth. 
It always feels counterintuitive, but when you allow the possibility of being hurt in, you are in the very act of accepting it versus denying it. And when you are accepting that there's a possibility of hurt, you're in a more expanded state because you're not shutting out possible realities. In an earlier episode, I said you cannot simultaneously try to manifest into your reality while also denying parts of reality. So when you allow the hurt in as a possibility that that could happen, you're remaining seen by yourself versus hiding a part of yourself away. And that power ripples out onto all dimensions of being seen. Now, if you decide to hide, you may have satisfied the pain of not being liked temporarily, but just know if you decide to hide that you are doing so at the sacrifice of yourself. I have lost friends. I've lost relationships, very close relationships, because of my gifts. And they're they're not my gifts. Everyone has the same ability. I just found out how to tap into it. But they don't believe it. And they think that that there's something demonic about it. And it was hurtful to me, very hurtful, because it was a close friend. And I couldn't believe that their beliefs were so strong that they thought that I was a bad person, um, that I was akin to the devil. And so I had to really deal with that. I had to process that out. I had to do a lot of work on myself to figure out how, how do I deal with this assault on myself that is not true? How do I deal with the hurt that it created? And then I have a reputation, um, a professional reputation that I didn't want to see tarnished. It still all boils down to everybody has their own right to their own opinion. And I have to respect that. I may not accept it, but I have to respect that that's your opinion and that's just fine. And I'll just bless you as you move along your way. And you look for things in the universe, in the world that resonate with your heart. And you just learn to recognize what doesn't resonate and you just step out of that room and say, sayonara. Maybe someday you'll get it, maybe not in this lifetime, but I'm not the one to convince you. So if you can give people their right to their opinion, you have to afford the same to yourself. You get a right to your beliefs. If you're allowing them to have a voice, it's because you know you get to use your voice too. And then it's deciding what's going to be worth the energy and effort of using it and being really conscious about that. That's where for me, Whenever I get challenged, whenever I'm feeling like I'm going to get pushback, whenever I'm scared of what people are going to think, I really have to ask myself, is the premise that my entire career is based on, that this podcast is based on, all of the notions and concepts of just being, is that worth the energy and effort of speaking up? And the answer is yes. So here I am in the midst of all of the fears, all of the hesitations, all of the potential pushback, all of the internal angst I have felt in the production of it, of the writing of it. It's not that I rid myself of those things. I don't draw blinds and close myself off to the reality of the world, which is that other people are going to have opinions. I consciously choose to speak up despite all those voices because of the very things that I'm preaching about in all of these episodes. 
So a question for you, whose voice are you running away from? And do you realize the very act of running away from another person's voice is denying your right to your voice? I was curious if Gail ever wanted to run away from being seen in this work. I did when I was really struggling with, is it ethical to use energy healing? Is it ethical to use medical healing? And when I was really struggling with trying to find a way for those two to come together, I thought, well, maybe I just need to stop this and let it be and just stay on this path where I know that I'm accepted and that, you know, I can do my job and I can just go about my merry old way and, and everything. But when I said those words, it just came to me that, why do you want to run away again? You're a pioneer and you make things happen in this world. You bring new things outside the box. You always have. And this is no different than every other box that you've kicked down the walls to and made strides for growth for many people, not just yourself. So just kick down the box and take the step and allow trust to be your guide. And I did. I listened. How's that for a pep talk? Gail has some advice for staying in your zone. You don't do it alone. I'm going to say that for one thing. We're not on this earth alone. There are billions of people on this planet placed here because we're supposed to be with other people. So you don't do it alone. You go to those who support you and know your heart and you can bounce things off of them. They'll listen with their heart and then they'll just let you figure it out. They won't tell you what to do, but they'll listen. And you'll figure it out just by hearing your own voice go around the corner a few times. My guardian angels and my guides, I talk to them all day long and then I listen for an answer. And so if you have a conversation with someone and you're saying all these things, but you don't listen to what their response is. That's just ego talk. So I say something, I ask something, I have a request. I'm struggling, trying to fit. I'm trying to make this happen. What do I do? And then I pause and I wait for the answer. I listen to what my counsel tells me when I talk to, to those who've been walking the same path as me. So it's listening. And then it all still comes down to trusting me. This heart knows what is gonna take me through my journey in this world, the way that it's supposed to, and it's gonna make my challenges easier. They're not gonna not be there, but the challenges will be easier because I have my heart leading me forward for the betterment of not just myself, but the betterment of the world, the universe and, and, and beyond. So you gotta know you're not alone and you have to reach out to those that love and support you, but won't tell you what to do. You're not alone. And use your tools. Use the tools that you believe in. I think that one of the biggest unfortunate things that can occur 
when your heart knows something and is even in something, let's say coaching, for example, let's say you're a coach. And if you are too much in the field of other people's opinion and other people's energy versus being in your energy, then you don't know that your tools work for you. I've worked with coaches. I've had this discussion many times about walking their talk. I get the privilege of very lovingly asking them, why are you not utilizing the very tools you're teaching about? Yeah, you're going to make it a lot harder for yourself to show up because now you've created an integrity gap and you've also probably allowed in a little bit of imposter syndrome because you're not walking your talk. I use the work that I share with others. I do energy work on myself every single day. And so getting grounded, that's one of the hardest things that we have. We get ungrounded so easily. And I'm one of those. All I got to do is like blink my eyes and I'm not even connected to the earth. And then I'm like all over the place. And I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. You are not grounded. You need to get grounded again and take a breath and come back. But I use I use all the same techniques that I share with others on myself. And when I can't help myself, I reach out to someone else to help me get my focus back and to pull that heart space forward and and silence this ego so that I can keep walking forward. I think it's also important to note that if you're not practicing what you preach in your business or beyond, and if it's not because of the fear over what people may think, there's likely some other unconscious reason that it's really important to get clear on. Gail says that we attract what we put out, consciously or unconsciously. And specifically in the case of being invisible, it's usually an unconscious effort or an unconscious movement that we do. Because we've had so much submission to other things, we lose ourselves and therefore we don't feel that worthiness. And even when we try to step outside the box, when we finally get there, that unconscious thought of you're not worthy is still there. It's a bit of codependence. It's this unconscious aim to please. And it can still exist despite showing up, despite going through the motions of being seen, despite getting on that Instagram to do your IGTV. And so what that does is it puts us in a vulnerable position to be walking our steps, but through the emotions of someone else's expectations of us. And that is an empathic behavior. So I would really like to encourage people to know that the unconscious part has to be made conscious. When you step outside of the box and you're still feeling those old tapes saying, no, you're not going to succeed. You're going to not do this right. This is not the right thing to do. You need to be doing X, Y, Z. You know, you're hearing all that junk again. Recognize that as the unconscious part of that codependence, of the invisibility. And once you have that awareness, then you can open up yourself and you can say, okay, I don't have to be invisible. And it goes through the energies because invisibility is produced by your aura not being out where it's supposed to be. It's not attached to our body. It's not vibrant. It's not glowing. It's not communicating to our systems because it's been shut down. And a classic example of someone who has experienced this, they just said to me, Kill, I just feel I'm invisible. No one's hearing me. I'm talking to all these people about this issue and no one is hearing me. And I said, it's because you're invisible. 
Now, let me prove this to you. So I traced the aura and tested the aura with the energy testing and the aura was so collapsed. It was far from the body, like this far from the body. And it was only like this thick. And it's supposed to be attached and out beyond the ends of my fingertips to do its job for me and for the community. So what happens is all the junk from out there sneaks between me and my aura. My aura starts out here. All the garbage is gonna come right up my legs and it's gonna sneak right in there and it's gonna get right into me and it's gonna feed my ego and my ego's gonna take charge and I'm gonna stay invisible. And then my little aura that's only this thick is already full of gunk and junk and it can't move or expand to go out beyond the fingertips where it needs to be to protect me. So what I do is clear the aura Fluff the aura, attach the aura, and make it vibrant again for the individual. And bang, their perspective shifts. They're no longer invisible, and their words are heard. And it's remarkable how powerful that is. And everyone has the ability to do this for their own aura. You don't need me to do it. You want me to show you? So she does, but it's on video, so it didn't translate the best here. But I did ask her to explain it a little bit more for us who don't speak energy language. As we walk through life, it is the aura that greets the world first. The aura is part of our chakra system. And so if we don't have vibrant chakra system and vibrant aura to greet the world, nobody's going to know we're there. I won't know you're there because your energy is not going to greet my energy and then my energy won't reach yours. And so how do we communicate through the ego and the words, but the energies don't connect to create the relationships that is necessary for trust. The other thing is, again, at an unconscious level, when we're struggling to be seen and heard, You got to ask yourself, is there an unconscious piece of this that is causing me to stay invisible? Is there still a fear within me that is keeping me invisible? And most of the time there is. It's important to note that you may not even feel the fear, or should I say register the fear on a conscious level, You may not realize there's resistance because you are showing up. You are going through the motions. You are doing the work. You are getting out there and you're speaking. But maybe things aren't seemingly clicking. It doesn't feel like it's converting. Now, of course, just like in medicine, it's the integration of both the practical, tactical, strategic, you know, reviewing the process. But it's also in realizing that there's deeper dimensions to the unconscious that may also be at play. And when it's this dynamic, it's easy to think that it is a tactical issue. Most of the time when I'm working with clients, because they're problem solvers, they by default will turn to the tactical first. But you have to examine both. Now, it's fairly simple to audit the strategic tactical side. And if all the things seem to be in place there, if it feels like you're doing everything right and you're getting that affirmation from other people that, yeah, it looks like your marketing is correct, that strategy, you're doing that right and it's still not working, 
then yes, it might be an unconscious fear that's preventing you from being seen, but you're not registering it. You're not perceiving it. There are only two kinds of emotions in this world. One is fear-based and one is love. And fear-based emotions include anger, frustration, panic, anxiety, worry, codependence, grief, superiority, and fear of failure, fear of anything. So those are the unbalanced emotions that we have. So we can take all of that and and put that back into the heart, which will transform it into love. And developing that trust within yourself to trust you that it's okay to be afraid to step out, but don't let it stop you from being seen at the same time. Because that little unconscious piece causes us to just pull back and withdraw so they don't see us. When I'm working with clients on being seen, a lot of times they're looking for the answer in the bucket of visibility exclusively. And speaking of visibility, if you are looking for a hypnosis track, a free one to help you show up and be more visible and overcome resistance, there is one in my Instagram bio. Shout out, go check it out. Shauna Van Bogart on Instagram. So when I'm working with these clients on being seen, they're looking in the visibility bucket and they're looking for these unconscious blocks as to why they're afraid to be seen. But when we explore it, because by nature of working with a third party, like a mentor, someone like Gail, who can see it from a different perspective, they realize it's a fear, an unconscious fear, that's actually in a totally different bucket. Like it could be a subconscious fear of making more money because they're holding back due to some very legitimate reasons for why having more money would actually be stressful. Or they're unconsciously in fear over not being able to get the kind of results they want for other people. These are indirect fears, but they have very direct impacts on your visibility efforts. So you really have to stretch beyond the subject of visibility and ask yourself, is there any fear anywhere? And explore it from a zoomed out position. The heart is our center for all of our energies. That's where we develop our trust and our joy and our courage and our strength and our humility and our gratitude all come from the heart. And when we step forward with those parameters guiding us instead of the whatnots, the should ofs and the could ofs, we're successful. We're successful in being seen. We're successful in being heard. We're successful in being respected because that's the universal language is love. And how can you not love that? In the beginning of the episode, we talked about how the tendency to feel pressured to choose a bucket can prevent you from showing up. I want to ultimately remind you of this. It's never about the actions so much as it is about the energy behind them. Whether you're on the fringe, in the middle, the power of your action comes from the intent behind them. Or as you've heard me say in season one, who you're being inspires what you do. When you do the work to fall in love with yourself, you move in a way naturally where the world can fall in love with you too. And ultimately, falling in love with yourself is the very reason you will make a difference in this world in the way that you want to. I also want to point out that 
When it comes to being seen, there are some different hurdles that exist when you're making a pivot to do so, which is the case of a lot of people that you've heard from here. For example, Gail being in a traditional medical role and then wanting to pivot into integrating her energy medicine. There's perhaps more to release as you step from the old into the new, even if that means more so a mental release. Releasing old rules, the old voices, the old baggage, the old point of views that you used to embody. And now because you see differently, you no longer embody them. You still have to release them. This is so important so you can step into that other iteration of your gifts or cultivate your new gifts in new ways. And if I'm being honest, I do think that when you make a pivot or when you make a change, I do think that this requires a little bit more self-work if I'm being honest just a little bit more heavy lifting, particularly in a scenario like Gail's. So I just wanna offer a ton of self-compassion as you step into something new or something new to other people in terms of how they view you. Because for some people, they're in situations where they've always had a certain gift or certain ways about them, almost as if they came out of the womb that way. And so what does it look like to step into the fullest expression of the qualities that have always been there when you're not making a pivot, when you're not making a change and then having to explain that to other people? What hurdles might exist in that capacity? Next time on Just Being Seen. SVB here, hoping that you're coming off this episode inspired and challenged to see how good it can get for you in your journey to showing up and being seen in your gifts. If you're desiring the crash course to deepening into the truth of who you are and embodying that and taking action from that place, you are going to want to get on the wait list for the next round of Mind Over Matter. Head on over to shaunavanbogart.com forward slash M-O-M waitlist. And if you're loving this series, guess what? There's bonus episodes, behind the scenes video, and other discussions happening over on the Just Being Patreon community. Join in on the fun at patreon.com forward slash just being. And as always, the best compliment that you can give me in this work is to take 30 seconds to leave a review over on iTunes. Just Being is produced by Jeremy Enns and the team at Counterweight Creative. Special thanks to the variety of people who've had their hands on some aspect of this creative piece, including my featured guests, and to the right-hand women that I am honored to call my team. Kelly Elizabeth, Jess Butler, I see you, I appreciate you, and know that your support in this work is changing the lives of women around the world.